0: Welcome to Love First Christian Fellowship. We're overjoyed to have you with us. I'm Hody Johns, and today we'll be hearing from Aaron Goss. Exploring First Reformed, it's a movie. Um, If you have not seen the movie, we will explain some of it here, and it's totally fine. And we'll be talking about lessons that we can take away from that and from media. Obviously, even if you haven't seen the movie, it's something that, that it's a story. You'll be able to understand the story. If your heart is touched or if you have questions about Love First Christian Fellowship, we invite you to click on the open invite to our Discord in the episode description. We welcome believers, non-believers, and everybody in between to be part of a positive community. I sincerely hope that you enjoy what God has in store for you today. With that said, let's listen to the testimony that Aaron Goss has to offer us. Go ahead, Aaron.
1: Hi, Hody. So uh, I thought I'd just spend a few minutes introducing myself first. Um, so my name is Aaron. Um I uh, came to a Christian journey really really early in life um, my my parents raised me uh, first in a Baptist church um, and I so I attended a Baptist church for probably the first 12 13 years of my life um, my mother was is deeply religious um, and she's kind of a moderate conservative um, and my father and interestingly enough is incredibly deeply conservative like what would become maga today but it's not it wasn't that at the time but he also wasn't a churchgoer um so my mother was entirely behind the churches that we intended and so we tended to attend non-dogmatic churches um so i actually had a pretty positive relationship with christ as as a child um and so uh hey archie um and uh and then when i was in my teenage years i attended a non-denominational church um, and did that for the entirety of my teenage years and i had an inc- like i said i had an incredibly positive experience in in the churches that i attended um however uh, what i didn't have a positive experience with with christ or with religion as a whole i should say not with christ was christians and the christian culture and so I saw myself slowly drifting further and further away. And I make attempts to reach out to the Christians in my community. Um, you know, the Bible study or the, the youth pastor and everything like that at the church and, you know, ask tough questions. And I felt like I never got satisfactory responses, um, which led me to get pulled further and further away. And eventually I just, when, it, when I became an adult and I no longer had to go to church, um, you know, I, 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 I kind of pulled away um, and I had pulled away for over a decade. Um, I came back to Christianity um, about, probably about five years ago at this point. Um, it kind of coincided with my journey politically. Um, I became an anarchist about five years ago as well, um, when I was previously... Uh, started out as a Republican and then worked my way to like libertarian, uh, like right libertarian sort of thing. And then found my way to what we would call in America, a left anarchist, what you'd call kind of globally an anarchist, (laughs) you know, like, uh, and um, those kind of coincided with one another. The idea that Christianity doesn't have to be a, um, a dogmatic, Hateful ideology. Um, you know, like uh I, I hate to word it like that, but that's the that's the impression that I got is that you had to be judgmental of anybody that fell outside of the hegemon. Um and when I found out that there were there was a huge sect of Christianity that doesn't think that way, I was like, wow. So I wasn't wrong for feeling this way. Like I it wasn't like um uh something wrong with me and my inability to be a good Christian. Um, and so that super resonated with me. I found a church group that I started going to, and uh, eventually I've kind of settled uh, for the last couple of years into a rhythm of going to a weekly Bible study. Um, I also have a book study that, or book club that I'm in uh, that Hody's part of as well, uh, which is super nice. And uh, we have a chat uh, every Thursday night. It's great. And, um, uh, you know, doing stuff like this, you know, like communing with other Christians and, uh, and trying to live out a Christian journey in a, um, uh, I'm trying to live it rather than just speak it, you know, um, and I, I, sometimes I fail, but I, I, you know, I keep trying. Uh, but no, the, the reason I wanted to talk to you today, Hody, was about this movie that I saw last night uh, that I just, I got super emotionally affected by. Um, so it's called First Reformed, and uh, it came out in 2000, well, I, it says 2017 on Wikipedia, but everything that I'm reading online says it came out in 2018. I am not a movie guy at all, um, so this could be something that most people know about, but I had never heard of it prior to... Uh, A a scant mention real quick in a YouTube video, and I was like, wait, I should check that out. That sounds like it's right up my alley. Uh, But apparently, if you are a movie guy, um, uh, it was directed by Paul Schrader, who's the same guy that did Taxi Driver, um, which is a movie I'm aware of. I've never seen it, but I'm aware of it. Um, And supposedly it's uh, got quite a bit of um, similarities to Taxi Driver, too, as far as the protagonist goes. Yeah.
0: Um, I'm just going to interrupt real quick. No small part of Paul Schrader's life is he was raised in a strict Calvinist family, lost his faith, found the real Jesus and came back. So you see a lot of that in his writing. It's like in the first couple paragraphs in his Wikipedia, because that's how important it is to him. He did the last temptation of the Christ um, raging bull uh, and first reform. So, sorry, go ahead, Aaron. I just feel like it's very relevant. So I can see why it resonated with you because it sounds like you have kind of had similar paths
1: well, well and see that the thing is i just kind of stumbled into this I, I had no idea who paul schrader was i'd never seen taxi driver you know anything like that but yeah no it, it absolutely is exactly what you're talking about of the, the the protagonist is a pastor and what he is a pastor of is a church that is basically little more than a tourist attraction rather than a church um he's got like a dozen parishioners uh, in his church. And it's a, it's a large church that has kind of fallen into irrelevance over time because it was a stop on the underground railroad 250 years ago. And it it is a historical church. And so it doesn't really have a congregation anymore. And it's kind of propped up financially, uh, by a mega church that's nearby. Um, and so that's the, that's the layout of the story. And so you've got this guy who feels kind of aimless, He, um, he, former military himself, and he had a son back in um, 2000 or so that he, like, really was nationalistic propaganda to, and he convinced his son to go off to war, and his son died. And as a result of that, he ended up breaking up, uh, like, splitting apart with his wife over the grief that they had. And so for the last, like, 20 years, this pastor has been nothing but an alcoholic that has been preaching to a church of 12, you know, like he's, he's kind of aimless, uh, but he's got a lot of respect because of the prestigious nature of the church itself. But he's dealing with a ton of grief. And the, the kickoff of the story is that one of his parishioners is a pregnant woman, um, and his, and her husband and the pregnant woman, whose name is Mary. Um, you love the symbolism there, uh, comes to him and says, uh, Hey, I'd like you to speak to my husband he's going through a lot right now and I really want you to just kind of advise him on how he can you know manage things in his life because it seems like he's really struggling and I can't seem to reach him and so he comes over to his uh, to uh, I can't remember the name of the character it's it's uh but yeah he comes over to the husband's uh house and and uh, just starts to counsel with him and everything like that. And what's really eating at this guy is climate change. Um, he's going over all of the data. He's he's bringing up all the IPCC reports and everything like that. And he's just like, look, my wife is pregnant and I want her to have an abortion because I can't see raising a child in the type of world that, that my child's gonna grow up in. You know, you and I are gonna be old men by the time that this is a serious issue in America but she's going to grow up in a world that's hellish, you know, like even for America, you know, 60, 70 years from now, it's going to be a disaster. And so, you know, I can't, I, I don't have hope for the future. And that's the, that's the kind of the thrust of his argument. And the pastor get, like the, the pastor went into this conversation thinking that the, the the husband was kind of mentally ill and needed to be counseled into uh you know, receiving psychiatric help and he steers the conversation in that direction, um, kind of forcefully, um, and doesn't really address the guy's concerns. And the next day, uh, the, the wife calls him again and says, I need you to come over right now. And he does so. And the husband's at work and she leads him into the garage and, uh, Inside the garage, there is a suicide vest that he has kind of constructed over course of the course of time and is hidden away from the wife. And they both agree that it would be best for the husband and his overall mental health and everything like that for him, to, for the pastor to confiscate the vest and, um, you know, continue to counsel with him and to try to get him into help and not inform the police. And so... I'm I'm spoiling like the first third of the movie, but I'm not going to go past that. Um, and so, what ends up happening is the next day, um, the the husband reaches out to the the pastor and asks to meet up with him at a public park. And when the pastor arrives there, the man has killed himself. Uh, he he discovers the man's body. Um, and so, over the course of the movie, he's dealing with helping the grieving wife process her grief. And he's also piece like piecing through the aspects of this man's life that led him up to this point because as a pastor, one of his few parishioners, he felt like he had a deep responsibility to this man to guide him through out of this crisis. and for him to have killed himself, he feels like it's an utter failure on his part when he's already so, you know heavily um, He's ha- dealing with his own trauma, you know, as it is, and so he starts to learn all about this ideology that's got this man so twisted up and in, in despair. And over the course of the movie, through like it, it's it doesn't feel contrived at all. Like there's there's circumstances that leads to, like the wife asks him, "Hey, can you pack up my my husband's belongings so that I, like just move them into the garage?" And so that gives him an opportunity to physically handle. the the reports and everything like that. So he starts to parse through them as he's, as he's packing up the materials or, you know, in other circumstances, like uh, the husband left a letter for the pastor on his desk, giving him his last will and Testament of, um, you know, I'd like my body to be spread, my ashes to be spread over a toxic waste dump that's nearby. Um, And so as part of a political, like it's, it's part of a um, it's perceived as a political stunt by the mega church that funds the the small church um, because the pastor felt like he was just doing his obligation as to his parishioner, but because it was, uh, uh, you know, at this toxic waste dump and everything like that, the press, you know, reported on it as though the pastor was leading a political rally. And then all of the donors that were backing the mega church you know, started putting pressure on the megachurch for them to crack down on the, the pastor for him, you know, for not participating in this political stuff. And so uh, it leads him kind of down the, this wormhole, and he starts pushing away the people that are closest to him. Awesome. I'm glad you watched it, Liz. Um, but yeah, no, I like I said, I'd never heard of it prior to this. And so without spoiling any of the ra- remainder of the movie, it gets to the climax and the climax of the movie is he still has this bomb vest in his possession from when he confiscated it back when at the beginning of the movie and the church is about to have its 250th anniversary. And there's this major event where all of the donors of the church most of whom are oil and gas executives are all attending this service. And he has to reach this, decision about what he's planning on doing um, with that knowledge um with the knowledge that he could make a major change in the the world by action an action and whether or not that's a justifiable action as part of his christian faith and i feel like the movie doesn't give you a a resolution to that question And it's something that I've been thinking about a lot too, because one of the books that we just recently read in book club was Andreas Malm's how to blow up a pipeline. And despite the provocative name of the the book, um, it's not a how to guide because it doesn't give you like, here's how the, here's the instructions of assembling a bomb or something like that. It doesn't do any of that. What it does is it presents information. Like it presents the, um, the, the, the reality of uh, the climate change, as it, as it currently stands, with the information that we have now, what the effects are going to be in the future, what the effects are currently, and like, because right now we 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 think of climate change as a future event, like it's going to happen sometime in the far off future, but the reality is that like the Ca- Caribbean islands, for instance are just getting utterly decimated over and over and over again uh, through storms that are outrageously unreasonable historically. Like they're, they're not, they're not, uh, uh, they're, they're far outside of the norm. Like we're personally right now, I live in Texas. Uh, we're personally experiencing a heat wave. That's just now breaking. That's been ongoing for about three months straight where the temperature has been over a hundred degrees for about three months straight every single day. Um, it's, it's been the hottest day on, on record every day for like over half the days uh, of the last three months. Um, it's not something that's a future thing. Like it's going to get progressively worse, but it's going to be progressively worse in a very, very slow drawn out way. That's going to get people to adapt to the new circumstances and It's like the the frog boiling in the pot, you know, like we're not going to notice it because it's happening so slowly. Um, But it's just going to be a, you know, series of people dying in horrific natural disasters over and over and over again. And we're just going to view it as as natural disasters. Who could have predicted it? You know, Um, and so. That's what I've been wrestling with for a long time. And that, that movie did a really good job of capturing that feeling that I've been holding in my heart for well over a year now of what is the appropriate resolution to this scenario? Um, I mean, peaceful activists have been protesting for over three decades now. The, sci- the science has been pretty clear since the 70s like the 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 um the Exxon reports that came out in this, in 1978 i think um like they 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 pretty well like blew open the the door on the data um so we've known the data or the, the data has been known by Exxon they they withheld it for a long time but the data was known for you know almost 50 years now and the protests have been going on for about 30 years and they've been almost exclusively peaceful. And that doesn't seem to have mitigated the crisis any. And Hody and I have spoken on our book club quite a bit and he's pushed back very strongly on this this idea in a very positive way. Like I I love Hody, um, so I, I don't mean to speak ill of him at all. Uh, so, I mean, we've been back and forth on this quite a bit, and neither of us can come to a strong resolution on it, and I don't know what the answer is, uh, but it's it's definitely worth contemplating, and that's kind of all I got. <laughs> it's something that's worth, um, when
0: we pray and we think about these real-world events, when we're, we're having our walk with Christ frankly to ask what what's the best we can do um, to, to help combat this kind of issue taller um, the or Taller, the, um, the the priest in the movie yeah you know he has an issue where we kind of skip the end just a little bit he's gonna blow everybody up and kind of uh, and and kind of experiences a change of heart because someone he loves is in attends the service Mary attends the service and elects not to blow himself up and then Mary stops him from committing suicide. Um, and we have to ask ourselves, you know, there, there's taller rest wrestles with this as well as we should that, you know, you may think, well, it's a violent solution, but is it the only solution or, you know, it's the peaceful solution, but will it be enough? Um, are these, and things that we have to balance now we'll say from, um, Love First Christian Fellowship's perspective, we are strictly um, peaceful and peacemakers. That's in the Bible. Um, and obviously we want to push forward a... Now, here's the thing is is what I recognize with some of the protests is they, they say, I don't hurt anybody, but they're being an inconvenience or they're causing harm, um, causing delays, whatever it may be. Now we can talk about the mitigating harm, of course, with the world ending via some kind of global warming. And, or, or, you know, even if we say that the water temperature is getting turned up very gradually, um, that that people's worlds are ending, even if not the entire planet ending all at once. Um, and this is, it's harmful. Uh, Taller correctly sees it a matter of Christian stewardship and he sees it as very straightforward and everybody's like well it's too complicated let's take a real nice role in this issue ultimately if people are being harmed well aaron and i may have differing opinions on the action we need to take we do agree that this is an actionable thing you cannot stand by and watch innocent people get harmed and simply throw your hands up and just say you know they don't matter and as much as ye have done to the least of these you've done unto god So if you stood aside and watched as innocent people were harmed by, you know, whatever it may be, you're, you're part of, this is how you treated God. You know, these are, these are the people that are suffering from it. Um, so it's, it's something that we do need to consider. I just, I just want to remind everybody that at least if you act on behalf of this organization, it would be in a peaceful way. Um, but do pray about it. Think about how
1: you would, how you would deal with this. Um, yeah, I hope I didn't come across as cavalier in any way. Um, because I, I know that we've had ongoing discussions about this and I've I take that that insinuation that something more needs to be done extremely seriously. Um I don't yeah. I don't uh I don't relish the idea at all. Um but yeah Right. Right. Yeah. I
0: mean my you know my solution is has a lot to do with you know what they did in India, which is show love to people that are terrible as opposed to just like not harm them actually aggressively show them love, you know, reach to their hearts. If you know who anybody is in this service uh, or is in this industry, either tell them to get out or tell them to try and fix it. You know, this is my same recommendation to people who are in the military or in the police force. Like you, you don't have the option to just go along with it anymore. Either fix it or you know, get out so that you're not a part of it and be sure to speak out against it. Um, be aware of the harm that's being done. Um, do do whatever you can, in, in, you know, in, in the manner that that when you pray with Christ, I don't want to tell people how to act. Um, pray about it and think about it and just ask yourself what you can you can do here. Aaron, I'm going to give you anything else you want to say that you want to wrap up with before we're done here. Uh
1: nothing's coming to mind. Uh, I really appreciate you giving me the opportunity to do this, Hody, and I, I hope we can do it again sometime. You bet. Hey, thank you so much for sharing your spiritual journey,
0: Aaron, and thank you, listener, for joining us today. Once again, if you'd like to get in touch with us or even to be a part of the Love First Christians, that link to our Discord will be in the description below. We appreciate you joining us today. May God bless you today, tomorrow, and forever.